Good morning, y'all. How y'all doing this morning? Well, welcome. As uh, Tim introduced myself, uh, I'm Trent Gorman. I'm the youth pastor here along with my wife. Um, shameless plug, also as of next Sunday, I will be leading the young adults group. Uh, we're going to start at our house. So if you have not signed up, church center, sign up. Um, 18 to 30-ish. Uh, I didn't make the age. Carmen did. Got an issue? Talk to her. So... Today, just to give you guys a little caveat, this is a, a story that I'm going to share with you, a little bit of my testimony. Uh, it's not something I've shared with very many people in my life. Uh, maybe eight people in my life know. Uh, my wife knows. My, some of my family members know. So um, there's going to be, at a point, random videos. I promise you they're not as random as they appear. It's just to allow myself some time to gather my thoughts, my emotions. So uh, just a little, little plug there. Uh, so today, what I'm going to talk to you guys about is shedding shame. So if you have not been a part of our church or you have not seen the last few weeks, we've been talking a little bit about building faith. Uh, Pastor Brian has been preaching on a series in regards to how you start to build that faith. Uh, if you have not seen those messages, they are amazing. They are encouraging. Go back. We have them online posted. Uh, you Google us on YouTube. We're there as well. Um, you, we also have a Facebook as well. Uh, so connect with us in however you need to. So I'm open in prayer if you would just indulge me for a second. Lord, thank you for just allowing us to come together on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for just allowing us to dive deeper into relationship, to learn a little bit more about you through your word, through my testimony, Lord. Uh, Lord, please make sure that I remove myself from this message, uh, that the words that are said come across and they're directly from you, uh, that they touch the hearts, minds, and they impact the way people think, act, uh, and start to have a... a force or a change in force uh, away from their culture back to you, Lord. Uh, in your name we pray, amen. So when we look at shame, it can be a number of different things. Uh, when you look at the first picture of what shame could look like, it could be you, um, go to the next slide for me. It could be you carrying a boulder of shame. It could be you attached to a ball and chain. Um, there are a number of different illustrations we could use to illustrate what shame looks like to somebody. Uh, shame can come to you in a number of ways. It could be sin. It could be a number of things. Uh, for parents, your shame may look like this. And you just have to love how happy that kid is holding on to that parent's leg. <laughs> so when we look at the definition of what shame is, it is a painful feeling of humiliation, of distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. You Google the word shame, that is what's going to pop up. For us as Christians... We know shame can be a number of things. Uh, we know shame can sometimes mask itself as conviction. The, the Lord is passing something along to you, and you feel that conviction, but it's also accompanied or enshrouded by shame that's created by the enemy. So what I'm here to, to, to teach you guys a little bit about or to sort of help with is how you overcome, identify where that shame comes from, and overcome what it is that's actually burdening you with the shame. So, like I said, when we look at what causes shame, it is a number of things. It can be something that you do. It can be something that someone else did to you. It could be the world, or it could be somebody passing along a generational cycle. Um, one of the things that I did not include in this message that time after time and then time that's been put on my heart this morning in prayer is cycles. So I know there's somebody in here going through some type of generational cycle, some type of uh, cycle that, that ultimately you have the control to break. Uh, when we look at things, um, by no means is it a secret that I'm a district attorney by a secular trade. Uh, so I have the ability to see, know things, and, and just quite frankly talk. Uh, I love to talk, so y'all might be here a while. Um, but we look at generational cycles, we look at crimes, a lot of that is interconnected. 
uh, a lot of that you have one person suffer as a victim and they start to perpetuate. And then that next victim starts to perpetuate. And the cycle just goes and goes and goes. Well, that same thing happens within families. That same thing happens just in your everyday life. And you may not realize that you're perpetuating the cycle. Uh, so this is to hopefully alarm that or to raise an alarm in your life that somewhere there may be a cycle that needs to be broken. And you have that ability. So when we look, look at the first example of shame, uh, of course, we go straight to the Bible itself. Um, when we look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, um, this is the story of Adam and Eve. At this point, God has created the world, all the creatures, and given man dominion over those creatures. Uh, he has put Adam to sleep. He has pulled out that rib and created Eve with it. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 25 tells us, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So why are Adam and Eve the first example of shame? Well, if we jump to the next chapter, Genesis chapter 3, we start to see that the serpent at this point, the enemy, this is the form it's taken, has started to work on man, started to work on humanity. At this point, Eve has been tricked by the serpent to take a bite of that fruit from the, knowledge, from the tree of knowledge. God's lone rule not to eat from that tree. Eve then gave it to Adam, and Adam took a bite of that. So what Genesis chapter 3 verses uh, 7 through 11 tell us are that then the eyes of both of them were opened and they, were real, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the, the trees of the garden. But the Lord called a man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? We jump back to that verse in Genesis chapter 2. We saw they were naked the entire time. They didn't know what nakedness was. They felt no shame. The Bible tells us that. But the second that they bit from that fruit that they were not supposed to eat, they immediately became aware of their state. They immediately became aware that they were naked and they started to clothe themselves. When the Lord came looking, they hid. That is the same approach that humanity has been in and the cycle humanity has been in since Genesis chapter 3. I don't know about you, but for me, it's time to break that cycle. It's time to stop hiding from the Lord when we feel that shame. It's time to pull ourselves out Acknowledge that sin happens, that shame happens, but we have the ability through the Lord to overcome that. So again, looking at shame's impact on you, it's individually tailored. I can't tell you what it looks like in your life. You and the Lord know that. Your spouse may know that. Your kids may know what that looks like because you get in a certain funk, act a certain way. Uh, but there's a number of different ways it can rear its ugly head. Uh, many times, though, that shame is going to put a, a huge gap between you and the Lord. You're going to intend to get to the, your Bible reading for that night, but then it'll be tomorrow. You're going to intend to get to that devotional, but then tomorrow. Uh, you wanted to go to Sunday service, but the football game was on. Uh, you wanted to go to Sunday service, or you wanted to go to Wednesday night prayer night, but something. There's always but something. And if that is shame, I'm here to tell you that you have the ability to show up, and God will meet you right where you are at. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 7 through 11, one thing I want to highlight in those verses 
is God knew. God knew exactly what Adam and Eve did, yet he asked anyways. God knew where Adam and Eve were exactly. He still asked for them to come out. He met them where they were. He didn't unclothe them. Uh, we know ultimately what the punishments were. They got uh, banned from the Garden of Eden. Um, but with that, he showed his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy on humanity, his creations. As shame starts to get a hold of you, like I said, it, it varies from person to person. But if you're lashing out and angered consistently over small things, you feel embarrassed, you feel hurt. Uh, you feel like you're just going through it time and time and time again. Here's that wake-up call. You're going through a cycle of shame. You're going through a cycle that you have the ability to break with the help of the Lord. So how do we actually rid ourselves of shame? Well, the first step for me was to identify where that shame came from. Um, there are multiple types of, of areas where shame can come from. Uh, I'm going to specifically focus on three uh, the world, your actions, and the actions of others. So when we look to see whether or not that this was something of the world, um, the verse that stuck out to me was Mark chapter 8, verse 38. And it says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. There is no question that we are living in a world that does not know the Lord to this point. There is no question that as our politicians bicker amongst themselves in Washington, Denver, here in the Springs at the Municipal Building, one thing that's not central is the Lord. And that's where we come in. We know time and time and time again that we are going to be called upon to take a stand, that we're going to be called upon to uh, show some type of conviction. And so the question becomes, do we stand firm in our faith or do we allow the world to just whip us around as if we're in an ocean under the uh, will of the water? If you are the person who is in the water and is just time and time again being dunked wave after wave after wave, it may be time to get on your knees and pray. It may be time to do something new in your life. When we look at this world, we know several things are true. We know that originally, um, and even in my lifetime, one of the first things you did in a school day was to say the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Don't know if that's still a thing. I have kids. I should know, but I don't, so I apologize to everybody. Um, but we know that originally our day started with the Lord. Sundays, things generally did not occur on Sundays. Uh, we had time off for the Sabbath. Uh, when you look at countries like Germany, which is where I was born, spent a lot of time because my parents are military. Uh, a lot of times, mom and pop stores are closed on Sundays. Uh, they're open in the morning so you can get your goods. After that, it's time for the Lord. And so if you have something going on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday, and I keep bringing up Wednesdays because uh, we have those life groups, youth group uh, we have here at the church. Uh, I don't know if men's and women's are is still occurring, but we had that here as well. Um, but these are opportunities and ways to plug you guys in to get you guys in a community uh, to encourage and raise you guys up. The next verse that comes to mind when I think of the world is Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. Uh, Lord of the Word says, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Wow. 
I think he says it all right there. You put your, sovereign, your help in the Lord, you give it all to your sovereign Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, man, you cannot be put to shame. Somebody looks you in your face and asks you a question that you know is not biblically sound, and you answer it biblically sound because you're affirming your faith, no matter what that person says, they should not put you to shame. You should not waver off your conviction. You should stand true and know that even though he may not be seen in sight, the Lord's right there speaking with you. The Lord's right there to have your back, holding you up, propping you up in that situation. The next area that um, sin can come from is from something that you did. Uh, and it's something that I think time and time again, this is the biggest area of concern for a lot of people. Uh, one of the things that I, I do, uh, like I said, is, is, a, is I'm a district attorney. Uh, I talk to people. Uh, every jury trial that I have, I tell my colleagues it's an opportunity for me to make 30 new friends in the community. I love to talk to people. Uh, question is, what are you talking to those people about? Well, I am now happily on paternity leave, so I don't work on Tuesday. So I am extremely happy about that. Uh, but this past week, as I was getting ready to transition out of the office, uh, start relieving some, myself of some duties, uh, I caught myself just going around the office time and time and time again talking to people. Uh, I know I'm not going to see my, my uh, coworkers for quite some time, at least three months probably in person. Uh, so I had an opportunity to catch up with a lot of them. Um, one of the things that I did when it's going to my boss's office, just talk to him, sit down. And one of the things that stood out to me is I got to talking to him, and I caught him off guard with something. This has been my boss for probably a year and a half. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm technically in school, so I'm not paying student loans. Um, speaking of which, they're on pause. Hopefully they continue because, man, life is good right now with no student loan. Um, <laughs> but I said, yeah, I'm in school right now, so technically I'm, not a, I'm a student. I'm not paying student loans right now. I'm on deferment. Caught him off guard. He said, you're in school. You've got a law degree. Why are you in school? Blew my mind to realize that my boss, who I work with every day, Monday through Friday, had no idea I was studying ministry. Had no idea. Blew my mind to get to talking to him. He hadn't realized I've preached before. He didn't realize uh, the extent of what my involvement in the church was. He knew I was a youth pastor, but he had no other idea about all these other things. And so I got to thinking after I went home that day, and was just like, man, what do I talk to him about? Sports. Uh, college football's back, so that's a huge thing that I talked to him about. Uh, last year I had to deal with the fact that Mizzou beat LSU, which, man, tough season, and it's already started off rough for me. Pray for me, y'all. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, it just we, I started thinking and evaluating our relationship. Yeah, that's my boss. Yeah, that's my supervisor. He directly manages everything I do. If I have a big decision to make uh, and it involves a case, it goes through my boss. Uh, so time and time again, I've gone to him multiple times, hours at a time, where not even Paige can get a hold of me because I'm sitting in front of him and we're going back and forth, spitballing, coming up with uh, different creative solutions to situations. We never once spent time talking about my relationship with the Lord. I never once brought that up with him. That's not on him to know. That's on me to share. I'm not ashamed that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed that I'm a youth pastor. I'm not ashamed that I get up and have the privilege of sharing the Lord's message with y'all. And so the question becomes, why has he not known? This is an opportunity that I took to start talking to him throughout the week. 
I told her multiple times this week that I was preaching this week. Uh, I told multiple times to others that I know in my office are not Christians that I'm preaching this week. Uh, whether they're watching or not, I don't know. If you are, welcome. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, but this is an opportunity to, to see that there are opportunities in life, just day-to-day operations where you can say, hey, here's what God can do for you. Hey, here's what God can do for me and did for me. And that's why you're looking at me where I stand today. So this is an area I want to focus heavily on. Is it something that you did? And so 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 tell us, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Shame can exist in the shape of sin. One of the enemy's oldest attacks is self-doubt. To make you think you're not worthy, to make you think whatever action you did, that you don't have the ability to overcome it through the blood of Christ. And I'm here to tell you that's a flat-out lie. The Lord invites you right where you are, and we saw that in Genesis chapter 3. The Lord loves humanity. He loves his creation, and that is man and woman. If I were to sit up here and tell you guys I don't sin, I mean, it's pretty clear. I'd be lying to you. I do. Am I going to share with you everything I do? No, we're not like that. But one day, one day, uh, my youth can tell you some stories from back when I was a kid here in Colorado Springs. Uh, I did high school here. Uh, not something I'm sharing with you all today. Um, so, yeah, we can, we can happily talk outside of church. But, uh, again, everybody carries sin. Uh, I'm here covering for Pastor Brian today. Pastor Brian has preached a number of times. Everyone has sin, including him. What that sin is, is different for every single person as well. Uh, one of the most lawyerly answers you can give if somebody asks you a, law, a legal question is, it depends. Well, that's the same thing with sin and, and shame. It depends. Uh, so I'm here to encourage you uh, that everybody has sin. So as you're looking around the congregation, just to, at the new faces that we have, at the old faces that we have, uh, when you look at the leadership team uh, in terms of Pastor Brian Carmen and all the leads of the departments, every one of us has something in our life. How we handle it is going to be different than how the world handles it. How we address it is going to be different than how the world addresses it. Uh, one of the, the, I think, moments in, in my life um, that I'm comfortable sharing with you guys where I struggled with is, is it something that I did? Uh, it's no secret that I've got some siblings. I've got two younger brothers and a younger sister. I've got two older half-sisters. Um, but growing up, I told you guys I was here in Colorado Springs. Went to Fountain Fork Carson, and my sophomore year, was had the opportunity during the summer right before my junior year to swing up and play varsity with the baseball team during summer. I'm in a car headed to a baseball game, and my little brother has an emergency. He had been sick to this point. And keep in mind, when I say sick, he had been going up and down, up and down. And this is pre-COVID, so it's not something that was going around. This was pre-SARS, pre-a lot of the stuff that I'm old enough to remember. Uh, so it seemed like at nighttime, my brother got better. I didn't like it because I got stuck with his chores. Uh, anytime the dishes were, were needed to be done, <coughs> he was sick. 
But the second they were done, lo and behold, man, that dude was good enough to play a game with me. So I, I got really, really upset with him. And one of the things that I did was, man, I wish you would stop faking. I wish you would pull your head out of your butt, do your stuff, and man up. I didn't know the extent of his sickness. I didn't know how it was going to rear his ugly head. And that's something that I did that I carried with me for a long time. Because as I rode to that game my sophomore year, uh, right after my sophomore year, before my junior year, um, the situation was a little bit more dire than what I thought it was. My little brother was having a heart attack. He's not a freshman in high school yet, and he's having a heart attack. And time and time again, as we drove to the hospital, I suddenly found myself in a position where I was carrying something I hadn't carried because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that something that seemed so simple was going to turn into a full-on heart disease. I didn't know that the best basketball player I ever played in my life uh, was suddenly going to have that taken from me. I didn't know how the impact of what my brother went through would have on my family. But that is something that I carried with me for a long time. I didn't make him sick. I didn't give him the illness that he had. But when I spoke those hateful words, that's something I did. I felt I spoke that evil on his life. I felt I did that to him. And I'm not the only one. Uh, there are a number of people um, that thought my brother was faking. Uh, doctors um, at Fort Carson, doctors here in the Colorado Springs community, time and time again misdiagnosed him, uh, sent him home thinking it was just a cold, whatever. A number of people literally had the opportunity to intervene and were unable to or chose not to. My parents fought so hard for him to get some type of diagnosis. By the grace of God, a doctor walking by who picked up the wrong chart was able to diagnose him. It is not by fluke chance he ended up on Fort Carson the day he was diagnosed with his heart, his heart defect that it had turned into. It is not by fluke chance that doctor who had been busy and was on shift, um, and I think working a double that day, stayed on that shift, that on that rotation. It is not by fluke chance that he intervened. My point in that story is to tell you that that's something I did. I carried for years. Uh, this happened probably, I said, sophomore, junior year, so I would have been 14, 15, 16, somewhere in that age range. Uh, I'm 30 now, so it feels like a lifetime ago, so bear with me. Um, I didn't get over that truly probably till about two years ago, and that's a shame I've carried with me every time I look at my brother. Every time I get around him, that's something that I've carried with me. When I look at the next type of shame, it is one that uh, I want to focus on with the, the testimony I talked about uh, to you earlier. Is it from something that somebody else did to you? And I apologize, I'm going to jump back, getting a little bit ahead of myself. Um, the last verse from, no, I'm right. Bear with me. I'm trying to get my thoughts together. I'm, I'm nervous up here to tell you guys a story. Um, is it from something somebody else did to you? And the verse I'd like to start there is Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 to 15. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You do not control the actions of other people. Some of the biggest fights and arguments I had growing up were because I wanted to control everybody else's actions. Uh, one of the things I shared with, with Paige recently is um, before I was even barred and licensed to be an attorney, I was an attorney. Uh, anytime I saw an injustice, I spoke up, and man, I got in so much trouble. Time and time again, I would go to bat for the little guy. Uh, time and time again, if I saw something that wasn't right, I was calling it out, or I was putting something in motion to try to address the situation. Uh, the thing that sticks out here to me, um, one, one of the, the coaches I had in high school uh, by no means was a great guy, and we've talked about him in the past. Um, he liked to curse at us a lot. He liked to say derogatory things to us. Uh, for whatever reason, he thought that was motivation, but as a 13 to 18-year-old kid that went through high school with him, it wasn't. He was a mental terrorist. Let's just call it what it was. Uh, what he did is essentially emotional abuse. It's not something we would, put, we would allow children to go through in their household, but this guy in a position of trust did that. One time he crossed the line too far. He said something to somebody else about their mom having cancer because that kid was going through it. And I'm sitting there, a senior in high school, 17 years old, and I remember this like it was yesterday, watching my teammate trying to fight our coach because he just called this kid a punk, weak, told him he wasn't strong enough, literally speaking words of the enemy on my friend. I didn't know the Lord at this point, but I knew what he was saying wasn't right. I had for, at this point, three years worn my brother's number, number 13. I switched numbers to honor him because he couldn't play anymore. And so to sit there and practice and listen to my own coach, dog one of my teammates, uh, who was my first friend in Colorado, actually works at the barbershop that I go to now. It hurt. It sucked. But I told you, I always fought for that person. I remember going home telling my parents, and a board meeting was called. I got called a liar, a thug. So many things were put on me. And I had to listen to them all as my parents came back to me to say, hey, your coach is not being fired. Hey, everybody on the coaching staff said you were lying. Hey, everybody in the coaching staff said this didn't happen. They talked to some of your teammates. They said that didn't happen. And I'm blown away because it's not like it's just me, him, and the, the teammate in the locker room. It's in not only front of the varsity team but the JV team. It's in front of a lot of people. I addressed that situation the best I could. Everybody handles this differently, though. Fight, flight, and I forget the other one, but fight, flight, or freeze. You've got that opportunity to do one of those three things. Everybody is wired differently. It depends. That's where that's going to come in yet again. How you handle a situation when somebody walks in front of you and cuts you in line, do you just let it happen? Do you get into an argument? Do you just sit there and you make snide, passive-aggressive comments? I can think of a thousand situations from something people can do to you. Uh, they can walk up and they can talk about your man bun. Uh, they can walk up. <laughs> they, can, they can talk about a number of things. It's all love, Mark. You're my brother. <laughs> that they, can, they can talk about a number of things. And if you don't know where your worth comes from, those things become an issue. Those things can start to weigh on you 
sin, shame, all of it takes different appearances. At this point, this is where I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the sin in my life that I've carried with me for a, a good chunk, more, most of my life. Um, as I told you, my parents are military. I had the opportunity uh, to travel the world. Uh, and when you're in a military family, the service member gets a lot of credit and should. But along that way is the military spouse and the military kids that go with it. I'm a proud Army brat. I got to see a lot of cool things, experience a lot of cool things. Uh, I told you I was born in Germany. Um, I actually went without a country for the first month of my life. Um, don't know how that happened, why it happened, but, but I also know my Social Security number comes from New York, so I can claim I'm a New Yorker. Never been a day in my life, but hey, my Social Security comes from there. Um, we had the opportunity to see and do a lot of cool and beautiful things. Um, the castle that Disney, uh, Disney World, I think is the one in, in Orlando, is based on, Neuschwanstein in Germany. I visited that in person in wintertime, and it is gorgeous. Worth the trip. Uh, all the festivals you see on TV, I went to those. Uh, Christmas time in Germany is probably one of the most beautiful things I have ever experienced. Uh, every town has their own little thing. They sell crafts, kits. Uh, if you go to my parents' home, man, it is just filled with stuff. Uh, but all of it is meaningful stuff. Uh, all of it was an, an opportunity to go experience something as a family. Um, one of those times in my life, though, um, was in Korea. And South Korea is a place that um, I have mixed emotions about. Um, I actually have a heart-shaped scar on my leg because my brother pushed me off a wall after I was chasing a ball and fell through a kimchi pot. Um, for those that don't know, they season their cabbage outside in pots that are buried in the ground. I fell through one, cut my leg open as a whole thing. Um, but I got to see the beauty of what humanity should look like. I got to see an example or personification of what Christianity should look like in that moment. Um, maybe a week or two before that, um, I saw my first anti-American protest. And keep in mind, I'm first or second grade at this point, so I don't know the extent of what was going on, uh, but I do know the stuff that I saw probably shouldn't have been directed towards me as a child. Uh, so I'm sitting here struggling with the fact that I'm an American, I'm half black, half white, I look way different than what the Koreans do. Um, I'm struggling. I am struggling. But as I'm trying to get up that step, bleeding from my leg, my little brother just left me to have to dry. Like he ran and hid because he wasn't trying to get in trouble. Um, a Korean gentleman comes down that's in our apartment complex and takes me up. Uh, I think he was on the second floor. We lived on fifth or sixth floor. Carried me all the way up the stairs to my mom, all the way back down the stairs to a car. Took me all the way to the ER room with my parent, uh, with my mom. So long story short, it's a, a place that was both beautiful but also tragic, and, and I carried a lot of shame. Uh, so the story that I wanted to share with you guys, and apologize again, I'm just I'm delaying. The Lord put this on my heart to share with you, so I'm being obedient. Um, second, second grade. Um, we were there for a year. Uh, my parents had to work. Uh, there's, at this point, four of us. Uh, my little sister was just born. I've got a little brother, a little brother, and then there's me. I'm second grade, so the age range, I think, was second, kindergarten, not in school. I don't even remember how old my younger siblings were. Uh, this would have been about 97. No, this would have been 98 because that's when my sister was born. So my little brother's born 97, my little sister's born 98. Um, so that'll tell you a little bit about the ages there. Um, we were left home, uh, my brother and I, um, and I don't remember about my youngest siblings. 
Um, but we were left home with a babysitter. Uh, she was a high school student. She came from, um, she was the daughter of one of, I think, my mom's coworkers in her dental clinic. My mom, my dad exercise a lot of trust. Parents, you know when you leave somebody in your home, what it means to leave your kid with somebody. Uh, you know the worry that you feel and that the patience and, and trust you have to have in that person. Uh, unfortunately for me, that trust was mis misplaced uh, and it was abused. Um, second grade, I remember, I think it's the summer before my second grade, um, I got stuck with this girl for a week uh, and started off fine. Day one was fine. Day two, things suddenly shifted. Things started to happen that shouldn't have happened. Um, things started to be done. Uh, one of the games that she wanted to play was house. Uh, to me, wasn't a big deal at the time. Um, me and my brother, we played house. We, we did mechanics. We did basketball. I told you we played soccer because he pushed me off a wall. Um, but it started to evolve and change. And suddenly thing after thing after thing started to happen that should not have. Uh, to avoid having to get graphic, uh, basically I was put in an adult situation. Uh, never should have happened. And every single day it happened, I felt more and more disgusting. But I didn't know why. I'm in second grade. I don't know what sex is. I don't know what, what mom and dad does in the bedroom to, to, to have my siblings. Honestly, I thought the stork was a thing for the longest time. Time and time again, their trust was violated, and I started to act out. I remember um, one of the things my mom and dad had was a uh, lighter that was really cool looking. Uh, I took that, and I burned the carpet one day. Uh, and that was the final straw because it happened on the babysitter's watch. Uh, she finished doing what she did to me, and I went and I did that. My parents saw it. They smelt it. They were not happy. They asked what she had been doing. I imagine she lied to them. Um, because it was never talked about. And it's something I didn't know the extent of what it was uh, until a few years later. Uh, in Texas, they have you go through sex ed at a pretty early age. Uh, so I did sex ed uh, from fourth grade to about ninth grade when I got here. Uh, so at one point, I'm pretty sure I was teaching the class. Um, but it just, as I went through year after year after year, I started to realize the extent of what I went through. Started to feel resentment towards a specific group of women because that's what she was. I started to carry a sense of shame, a sense of, of victimization that I had never felt before. I told you, I've always been to someone to stand up for the little guy. This is not a situation I was equipped to handle. This is not a situation that some adults are equipped to handle. We shouldn't have to go through that. But time and time again, it happened. And so this is a shame I carried with me well into adulthood. Um, one of the things that I did was I actually buried it. Um, I, I just simply just didn't find myself attracted to this group of people. Um, they were family that looked like this girl, uh, friends that looked like this girl, but I could never take myself to take a next step to, to get a personal relationship, not even romantic, but just a personal relationship, other than hi, bye, let's keep it moving. It is something somebody did to me that was so bad that it started to define me. It started to put me in a cycle of death time and time again. Uh, it is no secret that I have shared uh, what sexual immorality is with the youth here. Um, and it encompasses a lot of different things. And at some point in my life, uh, I'm ashamed to say, but I went through that. I had to go through that cycle of sexual immorality. Well, I found hope. 
I found a way out of that cycle. I found a way to pick myself up, and it wasn't by myself. Just as a second-grade version of me went through something so traumatic, seven, eight years old, you will go through that same type of thing. I pray that it is not that situation. I pray it's not. But I'm hoping that at the end of this, I'll be able to give you some tools to get over that. Go to those videos for me. And they were all like, oh, Jesus, you can't heal on the Sabbath. What you mean he can't heal on the Sabbath? Think about it. Jesus is just supposed to be walking around with all these superpowers and can't help nobody just because it's a Saturday? Make it make sense, people. That's why Jesus had to put them in their place. Jesus had a little bit of attitude. I think that's where I get my attitude from. That's how we get along so good. Do you know Jesus? I could lead you to him. Just bow your head. Y'all don't want to bow your head? Well, that's too bad. There's a lake right over there. We could have baptized y'all and everything. To the most subtle. You wouldn't even know what hit you. <laughs> I need to pee. It's kind of quiet in here. Y'all listen to gospel music? That choir music? Ooh, child. Riches. You gotta move your jaw with it. Like, like, uh, that's how you know it's anointed. I really love my worship music too. Ooh. Break every chain. Break every chain. Speaking of breaking chains, y'all think we could take these off? I still need to pee. I heard you mentioning that you were thirsty. I can introduce you to someone that once you drink their water, you will never thirst again. His name is Jesus. Oh, y'all letting me out. We should do this again. I can't do Sundays though. I got church. God bless you. It's Caesar's. Then give to Caesar's with Caesar's and give to God with God's. So we should stone her, right? Then let he who is without sin cast the first stone. We don't know. Well, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. was Noah's favorite fruit? What? Pears. Who's the greatest comedian in the Bible? Who? Samson. He took the house down. What was Boaz like before he was married? What was he like? Ruthless. first tennis player in the Bible. Who? Joseph. He served in Pharaoh's court. So I appreciate you guys just giving me that minute. Um, if you did not understand the dad jokes, it may be time to go get your Bible out because those were pretty straightforward. Um, so now that I've told you about the shame in my life, the, the thing that I've been, been carrying with me since second grade, I want to talk to you about how you break free from that shame. When we look at Romans chapter 10, verse 11, it says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. That's your first step. Believe in him. Uh, we talked a little bit about baptism. Uh, last week, I had the pleasure and honor of dedicating uh, my daughter um, with my wife and our, our godparents that we selected for her. Uh, and man, just when I look back at my life and how incredible he has been, 
how faithful he had been to me, even when I did not know him. Man, what an impact it has had on my life. Uh, Next week, we have the opportunity to, if you don't know the Lord, you haven't gone public with your faith, but you're ready to accept that and go public, water baptism. And I'm a proud father to say my six-year-old is going to be up here next week to get water baptized. Uh, So I'm extremely proud of him. It's a discussion we had um, about what the lifelong ramifications are. Not a discussion I had in my household with my parents. Uh, It's something that um, I've shared with you, I think, in the first time I preached. Uh, My brother-in-law invites me to church. I was in my first year of law school, would have been 22, 23. Heard preaching that I caught fire for. I had the ability to come back, I think, two weeks later and hear Priscilla Shire. Uh, She is an evangelist, an author, an actress. I mean, she is a powerhouse for the Lord. If you have not heard her speak or seen her in a movie... Man, she'll bring you to tears. Uh, she never brought me to tears, but she's been close. Uh, <laughs> so she is somebody that uh, immediately also took part and, and took a hold of my heartstrings and just took them. Uh, Pastor Huber, Herbert Cooper uh, leads People's Church in Oklahoma City. That was my original home church. Uh, and man, I caught fire. I caught fire quick. I was there every week with my brother-in-law and my sister, every week with my nieces. And I started to eat a little bit, eat a little bit. And man, when I accepted him finally, and I went public with it, when I was water baptized at 23, 24 years old, my life changed. It changed. So when you accept the Lord, you have to not just accept him, get water baptized, but start to take that next step. Start to create a deeper relationship with the Lord. You've got to know that with the Lord, anything is possible. If you're looking for a healing from an emotional wound, something physical, Uh, you've got something emotionally going on with you. There's a situation that you have no power over. Just know the Lord's will is already in that. The Lord's hand is already on that. The enemy might be there tinkering with it too. But if you keep your faith firm, your feet grounded into the Lord, man, what a powerful impact you can have. Uh, One of the things I invite you guys to do And this was not meant to just be a rehashing of the announcements. Now that I'm reading it, that's exactly what it seems like. Uh, (laughs) Find a community of believers to help you. There are a number of things. Um, Tim called me out earlier about the food group. I'm going to get to you, I promise. Uh, And it's not going to be at my house. I'm not cooking. We're going to go to restaurants. Um, But there are a number of different things, whether it's Bible study, youth group, young adults. Uh, There's going to be interest group. Um, some of the youth right here in this room can tell you I'm down for a race. If we're talking hiking, I'm not doing it. Um, but hey, a quick 400, Jamin, I'll whoop you in it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there are a number of interest groups. Uh, we want to connect with you where you're at, just like the Lord. One of our goals here is to create a family environment. One of our goals here uh, is to help you take the next step in your faith. And we do that when you start to connect with us, we're not meant to go through life alone. You showing up on Sundays is not enough. We would love to see you more. We want to get you involved more. Uh, If the band wouldn't mind coming up and playing softly. One of the things that I, I needed to leave you guys with is just because you think you're past an issue, you're out of a cycle, you think that you've turned the page on a season, does not mean that the Lord has done that yet does not mean that you're not going to rehash that. Um, I can tell you it's been 23, 22, 23 years. Trying to do math on the spot. I'm a lawyer. Sorry. Uh, 22, 23 years since that stuff has happened to me in second grade. 
and I still carry that emotional baggage. I'm not that same kid I was. I'm not that same kid I was in high school. I'm not that same man I turned into at 18 to 21. I'm not the same person I was when I went under the water at 24. I was born new. Every day I take a step, it's a step in faith. You have to realize that just because you're past something in your life, just because you think that you have overcome something in your life, that you're done with that situation or whatever, it's a part of you and it's part of you for a reason. I don't know where you sit right now in your journey with the Lord, your relationship with the Lord. I'm hoping that my testimony here today resonated with you, not necessarily because we went through the same thing, but because you see that you can overcome whatever it was that's in your past. Whatever it is that you're going through right now as we sit here, the enemy does not control you. The enemy will jack with you, try to steal your joy, try to kill you and destroy you. But man, God is good. God is loving, all-powerful, all-knowing. He is merciful. And that's what we are called to be as followers of Christ. All of those things. So I beg you, if you're going through something, you think you're going through a cycle, connect with somebody. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be Pastor Brian. Connect with somebody you feel comfortable with. Make God the center of your world, the center of your relationship with everything you do. Know that through God, anything is possible. Uh, one of the, the moments that stands out to me from my love of basketball is watching Kevin Garnett yell, anything is possible, after the Celtics won their championship. I didn't like it because I don't like the Celtics, but he said it. I love it, though, because if you throw God in front of that, man, through God, anything is possible. You accept him in your heart, anything is possible. You love him, and you start to live more like him, anything is possible. Blessing after blessing will start coming your way. You will start to see favors, things that you, you think you're not going to step on a path, but suddenly there's a path there for you. A job will be created. A healing will be healed. A hurt will be overcome. Through God, anything is possible. I appreciate you guys letting me come up here and tell you guys a little bit about my story. Uh, I appreciate the, the love and support. I, I really do. Um, the encouragement along the way because this is something I still carry with me. It is a part of my testimony. It is something I have shared before, but like I said, not in, in the numbers that this is. I never thought I would share this with people. But the Lord had me go through it. He didn't put me in that situation, so by no means am I saying that. But despite the fact that the enemy thought he was going to get me at a young age, he didn't. I'm here and I'm strong and I'm standing in the faith and power of the Lord. And you've got that same ability. One of the songs that we, we sung before we started was Reckless Love, and I love that song. Um, when I wrote this message, it was actually for class. Uh, I thought I was going to move past this, and the Lord just kept bringing me back. I wanted to teach on creating a strong family, creating a strong head of household. The Lord didn't want me to. The Lord wanted me to talk about this. And the reason I was drawn to that song is we talk about how he's going to uh, tear down the lies. He's going to meet us and climb over the mountains. Well, that's shame and that's sin. And if the Lord's going to do it for me, he's going to do it for you too. 
He's going to meet you where you're at. All you have to do is to come willing. Be accepting when, when the Lord's right in front of you. So if you just close in prayer with me. Lord, thank you for allowing me to come up here and share my testimony, shedding a little bit more of that shame off that situation I went through, Lord. Uh, thank you for just uh, putting these members of our congregation in front of me, uh, allowing them to encourage me, help get me through this, Lord. Uh, you know what it is to have a church family and a church family that you love and that you feel a part of. And Lord, I just thank you for providing me that blessing every single day. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you watch over our body. Uh, Lord, for those that are homesick, we ask that you heal their little hearts. Uh, our prayers are with them. Uh, we ask that it not be COVID, and if it is COVID, Lord, that you get them through whatever it is that you're, you, uh, that the enemy is trying to attack them with, and you keep their parents steadfast in prayer and support. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for allowing us to come together safely in your name and diving a little bit more into your word and getting a little bit more knowledge about who you are to not only this body of, of Christians here, but also to me. Uh, Lord, thank you for working in my life providing an opportunity for me to share the blessings and the uh, breaking of a cycle that you did for me, Lord. Uh, Lord, just watch over us safe this week. Uh, help everyone get through whatever struggles that is they're going through, whatever cycle, because Lord, you're putting it on my heart right now. Somebody is going through a cycle here today, and you know that if they accept you, and they truly accept you, you have that ability to break that cycle. You have ability to help them overcome whatever mountain it is they think they cannot overcome, Lord. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all the blessings in our life. Lord, thank you.